Well, welcome everybody. Glad to see all of you and a special welcome to you if you're a guest or if you're watching online right now. Uh, we're so glad you're here. I hope you're having a great summer. It's definitely been an active time for us as a CVC family. A lot of you going and coming on mission trips. Uh, we had a bunch of students just got back from summer camp. Any campers in the room? Any other campers? Ooh, yeah. <laughs> He's the oldest camper in the room. That's <laughs> so funny, Renee. Um, anyways, uh, man, great time. Our, our, our children's ministry is prepping for um, sports camp. So there's just a lot of activity. Uh, also, some of us are enjoying vacation during this time. Um, I just got back from vacation. We had uh, two and a half weeks in California uh, with our family and friends. And also, we just got back from a week after that, we went to Chicago. We had our fourth cleft lip and palate-related uh, surgery for our youngest daughter. And so I'm just excited to be back and uh, get, dig into God's Word with you guys today. Now, while we were on vacation, we had an opportunity uh, to take our kids to Disneyland. And uh, while there, I just want you to think about the times that you've gone to amusement parks and have encountered this phenomenon. You ever notice that uh, you can stand in a long line? I'm talking beating sun, nothing to drink, nowhere to sit, just in line for like 60 minutes, 70 minutes, 80 minutes for a short ride. I mean, think about that. Like 60 minutes for less than 60 seconds of fun. I mean, it's, it's crazy that we will let what we anticipate, this, this fun ride that we anticipate will give us the grit to just endure the long wait. In a similar fashion, our flight home was interesting because we flew out on United the day the computers went down. And so if you guys are paying attention to the news, uh, yes, long lines, flight delays, flight cancellations, uh, lots of grumpy people, um, layovers, sleeping in the airports, all that kind of fun stuff. Um, nothing compared to what our Indonesia team went through. They had like 17 hours of layovers, you know. Um, we, we didn't have that long by, by any match. But one of the things that keeps you going you know, some of you have probably encountered that type of traveling dynamic. One of the things that keeps you going is you're going, when this is all done, I'm going to be able to crawl through my door and my house and crawl into my bed and go to sleep, you know? And, and, and anticipating and looking forward to getting home is what helps you endure the long lines and the delays and the layovers and, you know, you know moving, you know, grabbing your luggage and lugging it through all the airports. Uh, that's what keeps you going. Now, if you obviously are paying attention to national and global headlines on a regular basis, you know we have a lot more sober things to grapple with than uh, amusement park lines and travel delays. I mean, there's just a lot of things going on in our world. And what do we believe? And how do we live? And how can we uh, persevere and have passion and purpose in a world that's falling apart? How can we have that same grit that we'll use in an amusement park line or on a flight home? How can we use that same grit to get through the difficulties of life that both invade our personal lives or just bother us or discourage us as we see what's going on in the headlines today? Well, I believe that the Lord's going to help us through his word, as Pastor Josh mentioned a few weeks ago, to live as citizens of heaven while being residents of earth. And so I want to invite you right now to open up your Bibles to the book of Romans, please. Chapter 8, 
verse 18. And we're going to continue in this series we're calling Right with God. And as we move through this phenomenal book of Romans, and so hopefully you have your Bibles or a Bible application that you can fire up. And again, Romans 8.18. If you do not have a Bible and you're here, uh, we encourage you to stop by our information center on the way out and get one for free. We'd love to give you a Bible. We want to make sure everybody has their own Bible. And as we open up to this passage, and as we think about this whole concept of trying to live lives with passion and perseverance, I want us to rally around this life message today, that our future glory is our present grit that our future glory is our present grit. And I think that'll make sense as we open up God's word and look at it together today. Would you pray with me? Lord, Heavenly Father, we acknowledge that when we look around the events of this world, the condition of this world, even the conditions of our own families, our own bodies, Lord, we confess that we need you. We admit that we live in a fallen world, a broken world. Lord, we can get discouraged. Lord, we can get um, grieved by all that happens. Lord, we can let hopelessness start to sink in. But God, I pray that today, through the power of your word, the truth of your word, you would reset us, allow us to cling to the hope that you've given us and the truth that you've given us through your word. So God, be with us now. Instruct us as we open up the pages of your word. In Jesus' name, we all said together, amen. How do we live lives of purpose and perseverance in a broken world? Well, first, we have to constantly consider Constantly consider. Uh, We're in Romans chapter 8, verses 18 and 19 first. We're just going to move through these next 10 verses a little bit at a time. Look 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 at verse 18 with me. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Consider. It means to think it through, to reckon, to come to a conclusion. This is a massive statement of contrast that God is giving us. God is saying through the Apostle Paul that uh, all the earthquakes, all the fires, all the tornadoes, all the tsunamis, all the volcanoes, all the hurricanes, all the floods, all the droughts, all the diseases, all all that we experience on earth can't compare to the perfection and the glory that one day will be experienced when God restores all things. God is saying here that as heartbreaking as war and hunger and slavery and racism and riots and violence are, and as disturbing as death and sickness and tragedy and addictions and deformities and heart attacks and strokes and seizures and miscarriages are, They pale in comparison to the future and the coming glory when God resurrects our bodies and restores the cosmos. God is saying here that as repulsive as recent acts such as the Chattanooga shooting, the burning of the black churches, the um, Charleston shooting, the evils of the Boko Haram in Nigeria, the atrocities of ISIS in the Middle East, as shameful as the seismic shift in a culture that allows uh, us to legally murder about a million babies a year, that redefines that which God has designed and vilifies all that opposes such views, that all such experiences in this life aren't even worth the effort 
of trying to compare them to the magnificent splendor, wonder, and glory that is on the way for those who are followers of Christ. Not even worth the energy of trying to compare them. There is no possible contrast. That's what God is saying here. And such things will not taint the glory of God's future coming kingdom, will not dilute the truth or the power of his word, and will not silence the voice nor the prayers of or the message of those who faithfully believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only true hope that this world has. You look at that passage, and you look at it, it says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that's to be revealed with us. And all of creation, all of the cosmos, eagerly waits and longs for this day of restoration, for the day of resurrection, when all things are renewed and given their original glory. How do we live lives of purpose and perseverance in the broken world? We constantly evaluate and measure and see, contrast and consider and are reminded that no matter how ugly things get on earth, our future glory as followers of Christ exponentially surpass it all. And considering this future glory gives us the grit to get through our current hardships. Secondly, we see here in Romans 8, that in order to live lives of passion and perseverance, we need to patiently long. Patiently long. Look at verses 20 and 22, Romans 8. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. It is clear that there is an interrelational dynamic between people and creation. And a lot of people might teach this framework that so goes the world, so goes people. If the world falls apart, then people fall apart. But when you look at the biblical narrative, when you look at everything through a biblical lens, you see it's actually the opposite. As go people, so goes the world. Think about the biblical narrative. God made everything perfect. God created everything beautiful uh, without flaw. He gave one rule, one law to the original man and woman. They broke it. And from that point forward, corruption and imperfection came into existence, not just for the man and the woman, but for all of the world. Uh, We see this in Genesis chapter 3. Verses 17, when God confronts Adam after his rebellion, he says to Adam, because you've listened to the voice of your wife, by the way, we don't stop there. Man, that's not the sin. It's the next. It was Eve's idea. But have eaten of the tree which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Guys, this is... This is the original understanding. This is back to the beginning. This takes us back. When when, when you get frustrated, when you get discouraged at what's going on in your life, your family, your body, the world, you got to come back to this moment. And did you catch this? Cursed is the ground because of you. Because of your sin, because of your rebellion, Adam, it's all messed up now. 
Because God's not going to have this little pocket of imperfection existing in a world of perfection any longer. The imperfection and the curse was thorough. And it says right here, we're reminded that God subjected the world to futility. And the word means depraved or perverse or devoid of truth. As you look around this world, do you see anything that's depraved or perverse or devoid of truth? This is God subjecting the world, the cosmos, to the effects of the fall of sin. And what that does in us is it creates a longing. We all have a longing for something deep inside of us, something that we can't describe, something that we can't quite put our finger on, something that can't we can't adequately express. And it's a longing that no matter how much we acquire, no matter how much money we make, no matter how much we possess or accomplish, it just doesn't scratch that itch. It just doesn't satisfy. What is that longing? The longing is for the future glory. The longing is for what's to come. That's the longing that we have, and we're supposed to wait with it patiently. I mean, look at verse 19. It speaks of creation longing. Verse 22 speaks of all creation, which includes us groaning to be made right again. And so we patiently long for the coming of that future glory. And if you notice here, the groaning that's associated with this is a groaning associated with birth. It's not death. It's it's labor pains. It's something in gestation. Something new is coming a new life, a new world, a coming glory, freedom, perfection. It's not the groaning of death. We don't need to be, you know, um, fatalists. I mean, like, ah, it's just all one big nosedive, and then we blow up and we're annihilated. That, that's not the attitude that we understand from a biblical perspective. It's something's being born. Something is coming that we're looking forward to. And just like a woman will endure sometimes hours of labor and pain to give birth to a child, the moment you're holding that newborn, the joy of that moment of what's been born eclipses all the labor and the pain that preceded it. Guys, what's coming in the future, God's restoration, God's revealing of perfection that's coming, is going to be so worth it compared to the labor pains and what we, the, the, the grief that we're going through now. We just can't see it, but we have to set our hearts on it. And so we long for this future glory of restoration of all things. So in order to live for the Lord with purpose and perseverance, we embrace this longing with patience and with understanding because this future glory is our present grit It gets us through what we're going through today. Thirdly, we confidently hope. We confidently hope. Look at verses 23 through 25. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. This is where it gets real personal. Remember, this is written to believers. This is written to followers of Christ. This wasn't written to the general public. So uh, this is aimed at those who are in Christ, who have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in them. 
This is written for those who have trusted, not in themselves, not in religion, not in good works, but have trusted in who Jesus is, the person of Christ, as God in the flesh, and the work of Christ, his death on the cross, his resurrection from the grave, so that God could offer forgiveness and new life to mankind. This is who this is written to you. So, so hopefully that's all of you. But likely there's some of you here that are still needing to get this relationship with God worked out. And so hopefully this will give you the insight you need to understand that. And so all of this is aimed for those who are children of God, adopted by the Lord through faith. And those of us who fit that description have what's called here the first fruits of the Holy Spirit. Now, first fruit is a farmer's initial sampling of the crop. That first fruit gives him a foretaste of what's going to come with the rest of the crop. And so our experience of the Holy Spirit's presence and power is a foretaste of what's to come. I don't know how many of you have experienced this, but hopefully all of you as followers of Christ have experienced the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And there's so many different ways that can happen. Maybe you're in a worship environment and you just sense the presence of God. You find yourself weeping. You're like, I have no idea why I'm crying. Or you find yourself joyful. You're like, man, I don't know why I'm so excited. But you know, you know that you're in the presence of God's spirit. Or, or maybe you're talking with someone about spiritual matters or about life or something. And what's coming out of your mouth, you're going, I'm way too dumb for what's coming out of my mouth right now. This is clearly from someone else. And you know that the Holy Spirit of God is downloading his wisdom into you to deliver to the person you're talking to. Or, or maybe you find yourself being really bold, going, man, I, man, I'm really standing my ground right now. And this boldness that's coming out verbally, this boldness that's coming out by the stance I'm taking, that's not normally who I am, but you know it's the power and the presence of God giving you boldness in your life. Or maybe he's giving you strength. Maybe you look at the, the circumstances in your life and people around you go, man, you should be crumpled in a ball, fetal, wailing like a baby for days at a time. And instead, you're joyful and you're strong. And there's this trust. And you go, it's just the power and the presence of the Spirit of God in my life. You think about those moments when you've experienced the power and the presence of God, and that is a first fruit. That's a microscopic sampling of what all eternity will be like. And if that little sampling of God's power and presence is just a foretaste, no wonder we long for home because it'll be nonstop for eternity. We have the first fruit of the Holy Spirit in our life. Now, some of you don't have a relationship with Christ and you need to experience this. And you long to, and God's bringing that to fruition in your life right now. Now, some of you, I know some of you who are very astute theologians, you're going, time out here, I'm hung up on something. Because I'm looking at this verse, and I see possibly a contradiction. Because you're thinking, now, if when I place my faith in Christ, and I crossed that threshold of salvation where I trusted in Christ instead of myself, if that's when I became adopted as God's son, then why does it say I'm waiting for an adoption? I thought that already happened when I placed my faith in Christ. So what gives? We got to continue to look through the passage because yes, you are guaranteed by the presence of the Holy Spirit as God's child. You are saved. You look at this here. We're given the Holy Spirit as a seal, a guarantee that we are God's, a deposit of so much more of what God's going to do in us and through us and for us. And we experience the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And we experience all these things, but they're still part of our adoption waiting to happen. And if you look at verse 23, it says, we wait eagerly for adoption, and it's defined as the redemption of our bodies. The redemption of our bodies. See, the soul has been redeemed, secure, saved, the body not yet. And so we have to understand the twofold understanding of salvation, the twofold understanding of the gospel is that it's eternal life, new life now, and an inheritance to come. And so we see in Ephesians chapter 1, for example, verses 13 and 14, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. And so once you cross that threshold of faith, yes, saved, yes, adopted, but there's still part of your adoption coming that you're waiting for, that we eagerly long for. Let me explain it using um, an example of one of our own CVC family members. Now, we have a woman in our church named Kelly Moore. And last year, she adopted Antonio from Love and Hope's Children's Home in Ecuador. And I inter- interacted with her this week, said, would you, would you just write me a note that explains some of the details of this? Because I think it will help us understand this passage. And she graciously shared that with us. And here's what she said. She said, last Tuesday, Antonio and I celebrated our first forever day. It was exactly one year ago that I adopted Antonio from Love and Hope Children's Home in El Salvador. The entire process took two years, one month, and 12 days. Ladies who've given birth biologically, can you imagine being pregnant for two months? <laughs> um, two years, one month, 12 days? Anyways. And it was a, such a roller coaster of emotion filled with much longing, waiting, tears, and desperate prayers. I knew God had a future in store for us to be a family, but Antonio didn't. We had spent 14 months building a close, special relationship. And although he couldn't verbally express it, you could sense his little life longed for more and hoped to spend his life with me. He would often say, Yo quiero y contigo. I want to go with you. In a sweet little high-pitched voice that held back tears. It killed me to not be able to tell him what was in store for him. I wanted him to know I was for real. And, f- and my love for him was very deep and sincere. During those two years of waiting, our Skype sessions turned out to be really fun, although on the inside, I fought back so many urges to tell him the truth about my plans, to give him a hope that he could see, and to promise my visits with him would one day be permanent. At times, my heart felt like I couldn't stand it any longer being separated from him. I just desired to be with him. When it was time to tell Tonio that he was coming to the United States with me, he couldn't believe it. He couldn't stop smiling. He had so many questions. He was so excited, and there was no looking back. When I reflect on all that God has done in Tonio's life this past year, I rejoice that he came to faith in Christ last winter, that he conquered a new language, that he gained 18 pounds, that he made the honor roll after jumping from kindergarten to fourth grade. He walks on his own at home. He sings the Star-Spangled Banner by heart and is a passionate Cleveland Cavaliers lover. (laughs) With so many changes, one thing has not changed his tender heart that loves life to the fullest and makes me laugh and tear up all at the same time. When I look back, I see a child who had hoped for something, not really even sure exactly what it was, but truly longing and hoping for what God had planned for him. He used to hope for 60 continuous days with me on my summer, but now he's got every day with me as his mom. You know, what a great story of love and patience and endurance. 
And on behalf of Kelly and a few other families uh, here at CVC, I want to say thank you. Because uh, Kelly was a recipient of a part of our adoption assistance funds. And part of our giving that we have as a church goes toward supporting those that are members or attenders of CVC that are in the process of adoption. And so when you invest in that, you help form these families because we believe adopting a child is building God's kingdom one child at a time. And so the reason I mention that is not, not to ask for anything because that budget's very, very healthy right now. In fact, it's more to make sure that you know and that you're telling others that if any uh, person who's an attender or member of CVC is in the adoption process, don't forget to apply for adoption assistance funds. My wife, Rika, and a, a few other ladies from our church oversee the process of recommending those families. And so you can go online, you can ask for information on those forms later, but uh, it's out there. So thank you for helping form families and we can continue to do so. Now, for how Kelly Antonio's story relate to our passage, Kelly shared out of her love for Antonio and her desire and longing to bring him home. I can only imagine what it was like for Kelly to go, I can picture what Tonio's life is like in this orphanage. <clears throat> I know what he's being deprived of. I know what's, what's hurting him and what's frustrating him. And she longed to bring him home. How much more is a heavenly father going to want to bring you home? That when he looks at you, he doesn't see you in an orphanage. He sees you in a fallen world, a broken world. And he sees all the headlines. He sees all the ugliness that we have to endure right now. The Father wants to bring us home. He wants to take us out of that situation, just like Kelly wanted to take Tonio out of that situation. And in the same way, she talked about this longing that Tonio had. Man, I just, I just long for this home. I long for this life. I, I, I kind of get this vague, fuzzy picture of what it might look like, but I have no idea and even though Tonio's adoption was formal, he still had to have this homegoing experience to reveal what his new life would be like. And in the same way, we're children of God, saved by our faith in Christ, and we've been adopted formally and officially, but we're still waiting for our homegoing experience. They're still waiting for us. And we have this fuzzy idea of what heaven's going to be like. We have this fuzzy idea of what eternity's going to be like. We're going to have no idea until we're taken home. Antonio had no idea what it was going to be like until he landed here in Cleveland, Ohio, especially in the winter. <laughs> but it blew his mind. And if you ever bump into them, you'll see a boy that's nothing like what he would have been in his current status before. And that's God's love for us. And this is the hope that we have as believers. And we're not talking about a high hope so blind and unsure. We're talking about a confident hope. This adoption, this resurrection of the body, it's a certainty. It's a reality for the believer in Christ. We see this as an expectation that we can't wait to see materialized. And so as children of God, those of us tasting the first fruits of the Holy Spirit, those of us adopted by the Father, eager, longing, groaning, patiently waiting, with certainty, with confidence for the future glory that is ours in Christ. And that hope gives us a spirit-fueled grit to get through the difficulties of this life. Fourthly, to live lives of perseverance and purpose in a broken world, we need to make sure we're faithful in prayer. We need to faithfully pray. We need to be God-dependent. We need to constantly be fighting to be in intimate fellowship with the Father. Look at Romans 8, 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. 
for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. It's interesting, you're going through this passage, and all of a sudden it says, likewise. Likewise is what? Likewise is a connector to this idea, to the previous idea. And just as our hope gives us endurance, the Spirit gives us strength. The Spirit gives us um, help. And so we're given this beautiful image here that the Holy Spirit helps us. And I just want to share the original word here because it's one of those fun, crazy long Greek words. It's suanti lambanomai, big mouthful there. This word helps, it really captures the idea to come alongside and to help carry a load or a burden. And so think of times in your life when maybe you had something that was big and heavy and you could kind of manage it, but when someone else came along and grabbed half of it, it made it lighter. This is the role of the Holy Spirit, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit in our life. The Holy Spirit helps us. He comes alongside of us. I want you to stop right now and think about what's burdening you. What's something that's just a burden on your heart right now? And if you come to the Lord in prayer and as a child of God, the Holy Spirit will come and he'll help carry that load. He'll help support that so it's not all on you. And so he helps us. He helps us to carry that load. And God does this in our weakness. Now, if we're intuitive enough, we're not going to understand this as moments of weakness. Because our life is a moment of weakness. <laughs> we're weak. We're weak people. We're vulnerable. Man, we're gullible. Some of you are thinking, I'm not weak. Well, that's pride. That's a weakness. There you are. You're weak. <laughs> the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, which is a constant reality of our lives. We're weak. We're vulnerable. We get fatigued in every aspect of that word, and we need to pray at all times, especially when things get tough, especially when we're discouraged. But how? How do I pray? What should I pray for? Does it even matter if I pray? How do I pray when I'm depressed? How do I pray when my spouse wants out of the marriage? How do I pray when my child dies? How do I pray for my neighbor when they come over and tell me they have cancer? How, how do I pray for nine people and their families when they're doing Bible study and someone comes along and shoots them? How do I pray for an entire community that's, that's just been decimated by a storm? There's times we don't know. So what we do is we just give up and don't even try praying. Man, well, we got to at least try. At least come to the Father and say, God, I have no idea how to pray right now. I have no idea what to even say. You know what happens in that moment for the child of God? The Holy Spirit comes along. And he helps you in your weakness. And he starts to groan on your behalf. The Holy Spirit translates, expresses everything that's going on. And this is a beautiful picture of Trinity, that the Father, who knows the Spirit, is hearing from the Spirit what's going on in you. And the Spirit groans on your behalf. And it's a beautiful picture because the Holy Spirit's the, the perfect intercessor. He knows God's will. He'll help us understand it and accept it. And he knows us and what's in our heart and mind and lifts it before the Father. He intercedes on our behalf. And he helps us to know how to pray and how to pray with insight. Maybe you've experienced this. There have been times when someone's asked me to pray for them. Sometimes they've given me what their request is. Sometimes they haven't. And I'll just start to pray for them. And next thing I know, according to them, I prayed exactly what they were 
worrying about or what they were caring about. What was that? The Holy Spirit was interceding. And he knows us. He loves us. He can do that in our life. And so we cannot live lives of purpose and perseverance for Christ in a broken world without faithful prayer. Prayer keeps our eyes on the future glory, on the one who gives it, and prayer gives us the grit to endure this life as we go through hard things. And lastly, from today's passage today, to live lives of purpose and perseverance in a broken world, we need to enduringly trust. Not just trust, but to endure in that trust, to be enduringly in that trust. And we're going to look at this last verse, which is probably one of the most misinterpreted verses in the Bible. Romans 8.28, it says, We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Here's why this verse is misinterpreted so often. People hack it up and leave things out. And this is most often how I've heard it in its incorrect form. God works all things for good. Now I'm kind of going, and? Because <laughs> the equivalent of saying God works all things for good is the equivalent of saying, oh, it's just, just think about good things and it'll go well for you. It's for those who are called by God, who, who, who love God, who are called according to his purpose. And so this, this is something that's for the child of God, for those who are in Christ. If you're in Christ, God will work all things for good. If you're not, you're not going to see it that way. And not only that, he's going to work things for good according to whose purpose? Whose purposes? His. Not ours. See, this is where we drift back and we go, God, you exist to bless my purposes. And if you don't bless my purposes, then you're against me somehow. And in reality, God says, no, I love you. And you love me, and so I'm going to make whatever you're going through work out for good somehow, even though you can't see it, and it's going to work for my purposes. You know, a phrase that I've been using in my home more and more lately, because I have middle school kids, and I don't know if you know much about middle school kids, but you know, they get real smart real fast. They know a lot all of a sudden, right? And there's just times I find myself saying no to them a lot, and this is what I've been saying in my home lately. I'm for you. I'm not against you. I'm for you. I'm not against you. Look, I know you're not happy with me saying no about this right now. But you're just going to have to trust your dad. I'm for you. I'm not against you. I'm not trying to punish you. I'm not trying to make your life difficult. I'm for you. You just can't see it yet. Look, we're all going to go through some difficult things. We're all going to be exposed to difficult things. We just got to trust the Father. Somehow he's going to work it for good, for his purposes. And usually it just takes time to see what that is. It's the future glory. And you got to hold on to that so you have grit for it today. You know, another verse I want to wrap up with that's a similar theme to what we're talking about is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. It says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Isn't that interesting? That as the outer self deteriorates, the inner self is rejuvenated. For this light, momentary affliction, and this is where some of us go, well, time out. What I'm going through does not feel light or momentary. And we go back to the verse first we saw and consider, we can't even consider it a comparison. No contrast. The light, momentary affliction is preparing for us eternal weight of glory beyond all comprehension. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, 
But the things that are unseen are eternal. So whatever you're going through, if you're in Christ, there's a future glory that will surpass whatever burden you have, whatever discouragement you're carrying. If you're not in Christ, our encouragement to you and our extension of the invitation to you is to come to Christ. Come into relationship with God. Turn from yourself, turn from religion, turn from good works. Put your faith in who Jesus is as God in the flesh and what he did by dying on the cross for you and raising from the grave. If you do that, you'll be able to persevere and live a life of purpose by constantly considering, by patiently longing, by confidently hoping, by faithfully praying, by enduringly trusting, and you too will have a future glory that will be your present grit. Will you pray with me, Lord Heavenly Father? Now thank you for the reminder today. God, we need the reminder. Sometimes we get consumed and blinded by the discouraging things in our life and in the world. God, we need the reminder today that you are in charge. You hold all things in your hand and that you truly work all things for your purposes and your purposes are good. So God, I pray that you would encourage every brother and sister in this room right now to faithfully trust Lord God, to apply the things that we just talked about, to, to have a Holy Spirit grit in their life driven by the future glory of what's to come. God, I pray for anyone right now that doesn't have a relationship with you. And if you're watching online or if you're here in this room and you don't have a relationship with Christ, all you got to do is tell them that. And you can tell them that you can want it. You can say, Lord, today I believe. I believe I'm lost and broken. I believe I need you. This longing in my life is a longing for you and to spend forever with you. And so I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. I believe you rose from the grave to offer me forgiveness of my sin. Today I believe, and I place my faith in you. In Jesus' name. And God, for the rest of us, we offer our lives as a gift, as an offering. We offer these gifts as an offering so that more people may know about this future glory that we all desperately need to focus on. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. Hey, today, before you leave, if you've made that decision to follow Christ, would you share that with us, please? Uh, there's a card in front of you, a response card. You can just mark that card, put it in the baskets that are about to come around saying, today I made the decision to follow Christ. Don't forget, for those of you going through hard times, you can pray in person in the prayer cove. You can turn in those prayer requests. We'll be praying for you. But our hope is that you're going to put your eyes on the Lord and his future glory to give you the grit that you need for today. Amen?